Is this normal? It's probably nothing serious. Maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. Emergency symptoms can be good at hiding. That's why you shouldn't ignore symptoms like chest pain, high fever, trouble breathing, or severe stomach pain. They could be a medical emergency in disguise. Thankfully, an Eastside ER is ready to serve you 24-7 with fast wait times and dedicated ER experts so we can quickly help turn your questions into answers. Visit eastsidemedical.com. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Gwinnett Business Radio. Gwinnett Business Radio is cared for by Eastside Medical Center, providing quality care to Gwinnett County and the greater Atlanta area for over 38 years. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Gwinnett Business Radio. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Mike Salmon, alongside our Director of Sales and Marketing, Amanda Peart. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Mike. You've got some reading material over there. What is that? Is that Swanee Magazine? Swanee Best, yes. Ah, there's a reason you have that, right? It is. We have a couple guests here, and uh, one of them is associated with, with that magazine, correct? Correct. All right, so so far I'm batting 1,000. That's yeah. good. Okay. Our guest today on the program, Alan Duncan is here. He's with a company called Dempsey Lord Smith. You're probably wondering what that is. We'll find out in a second. And also joining us here on the program is Randall Vugler and Phil Farrell with Stillfire Brewing. And we're excited to talk about them. They've got some exciting news to announce here. But we're going to start with Alan. Alan Duncan is a financial advisor with Dempsey Lord Smith. Alan, good morning. Hey, good morning. Great to have you here on the program. Tell us what you do there at the company. Basically, I'm a financial advisor. I take a holistic approach to solution-based investing. That basically looks at an individual, companies, mid-small size companies, and provides solutions towards investing and saving for retirement. All right, you're using the word holistic. How, how does that relate to financial advising? Great question. So what we do is we take an approach looking at what the individual has, what the company has, what their needs are, and then provide solutions based on the different type of products. It could be mutual funds, ETFs, stocks, bonds, alternative investments, and insurance. Tell us about why you do what you do, how you got in the business, and, and what motivates you. Well, back in 2008 and nine, when most people remember the downturn of the market, my folks were getting ready for retirement. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of folks lose a lot of their retirement money. And what I wanted to do was help individuals, help people figure out a way not to get caught in that trap, to be able to provide for them solutions that will give them the opportunity for retirement to live in those golden years, if you will. And uh, that's really the, the drive that got me into it. So it was a personal experience through your parents. That's correct. Fantastic. And let's see here. Do you have any minimums for investments regardless uh, of the plan? No, I don't. I mean, really, we talk to the individual and we look at the steps that they've got to take. I mean, you you look at people like Dave Ramsey with the six months uh, emergency funds. We look at what they've got and then we come up with a solution. Not everybody you can help. I truly understand that. But it's worth the conversation. I listen to what their needs are, listen to what their goals are. And then we come up with that solution. Alan, let's unpack maybe a little bit more about the services and products that you offer. Talk about some of the things that you can offer to your investors. Right. One of the big things that I have kind of come across is called a distribution solution. So what that's doing is it's taking the IRA money that's pre-tax bucket, could be a 401k, anything that's in a pre-tax bucket that later will come out and be taxed as ordinary income. We take that money and we are able to find a solution to where when they take the distribution, it comes out tax-free. 
So the biggest goal for me is to work with CPAs or mid-small-sized businesses to help them understand that concept. I know one of the things you got to do, too, is educate folks that they need to start investing and start saving, because I'm guessing that a lot of folks are not prepared for, say, retirement. That's true. So what one of the things is, is that I guess we're all dependent on our government to take care of that for us, right? And that's not going to be the case. So let's go back to when I was like 17. Eastern had bellied up. A friend of mine's dad had gone to work in Atlanta as a financial advisor, and he told me, he said, hey, look, put $20 away every month. What is $20? That's $5 a week for me. Looking back on that since 1985, what that would have accomplished for me would have been astronomical. I would have really been set at this age now. And so that's one of the ways to educate the young folks today. Will the Social Security be there? Don't know. Will the pension plans, 401Ks, be there? Could be. But what's the tax rate going to be when they take distribution? That's what I like about this distribution solution. $20 a day is pretty pal or excuse me, $20 a month is palatable for a youngster. Um, I will say that I'm guilty of not having done that at this point in time in my life. Let's say here in my 30s, Alan, am I going to be able to reach the ultimate goal of what I hear is $1.2 million in order to retire at a reasonable age? Yeah, so you bring up a good point. Uh, the later you wait, the less time you have on your side. So as a young investor, time on your side is the key. Anything that we do, you want it to be sustainable. Sustainable means that in good times, bad times, that you're still able to put that contribution into that bucket of money for retirement. That being said, you don't want to put somebody out there when you're at 50 having to put away $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 just in order to meet that retirement goal. So, again, the younger generation, those that are 20, 25, the millennials, if you will, they have a great chance of putting fewer dollars away, more sustainable as they grow their families, have those costs of raising a family, and they can still put that money away. Using this distribution solution, they can leave a bigger legacy. Mm -hmm. They can leave a lot more tax-free dollars on the table for those family members. As you work with people, we're talking with Alan Duncan with Dempsey Lord Smith here on Gwinnett Business Radio. As you work with your clients, every client's different. Every investor is different. Some people are okay with risk. Some prefer low risk. I would think that as you talk to folks, you got to make them understand you can't be looking at the return every single day. You got to be patient and you got to realize that you're in there for the long term. 100% correct. So, yeah, volatility is part of the day to day activity yeah. of watching it. What we saw a week ago. Uh, took the breath out of some folks, you know, when the market does that. But again, time on your side, understanding what that individual, that business's risks are, understanding what their goals are, then coming up with a sustainable solution plan to provide them with that helps them kind of look at the long-term goal. Everybody likes to go to Vegas. Everybody puts that chip down on the roulette wheel. They walk away with nothing or they walk away with something big. That's the big risk in, you know, Vegas. So when you take a risky investment, you could lose it all. When you plan for the slot machines, maybe you get some more nickels down there in the tray. But the key, and you kind of touched upon it, is time. You, you never can get back time. The more time you have to invest, uh, the, the better, uh, because it, it, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint when it comes to investing properly. Well, yes, correct. Um, time on your side, it allows you to put fewer dollars in there because you've got more time. And you can have a small rate of return, but over time, that will continue to compound each year allowing that investor to build up for that financial goal now alan you're located in peachtree city but you can actually serve areas outside that area so so where can you serve service anywhere around the state of georgia i mean i've been in the northeast part i've been in the south part of georgia working with clients so it's uh i'm not strict restricted to any one particular area 
if somebody would like to get that information, I'd be happy to serve them and talk to them and even meet with them face-to-face, which I think is the key. Yeah, and Dempsey, Lord, and Smith, I understand, is located in Rome. You're down in Peachtree City, so every place in between you Absolutely. can cover. Yeah, anywhere around the 300-mile radius, it seems like. What's your typical client look like? Typical client is anybody that's serious about investing. It could be somebody that has a financial goal and wants that assistance, wants that help to understand what they've got to do to get there. Everybody has a skill set. Everybody's good at what they do, but not everybody is good at everything in this. You know, so what we want to try to do is take the expertise, the education that I have, and utilize that to help them find out what they've got to do to accomplish those goals. I'd like to take your expertise and back up just a little bit to something that you mentioned that, that resonates with me. You talked about solution-based investing and distribution solution, and then you mentioned free money. Can we revisit that and you speak a little bit more about how one can take advantage of the distribution solution and how they are able to capitalize on all of their income? Yeah, so the distribution solution is a great way to take this pre-tax bucket. So what that means is is that you've put money away in a pre-tax bucket, reducing your ordinary income for that year. The idea is, is to take this money, utilize the products that I have, so that when you get ready for distribution, you're not paying ordinary taxes and ordinary income on those taxes. So I'll work and partner up with CPAs to help them understand that. Good CPAs do understand that. When we say free money, it's just tax-free money. Tax-free money. That's what we all want to be. Tell me what the tax rate's going to be in 10, 15 years with our deficit the way it is right now. And that's what alarms me. That's why I think this is a really good approach to solution-based advice. A lot of times when folks are looking to invest or looking for a financial advisor, it's, it's the person. It's, it's the Allen that they get to know and that they want to invest with. So for those that are looking for somebody right now, why choose Allen Duncan as opposed to maybe the guy at the other street corner? Yeah, that's... <laughs> You're working the corners, Allen? I'm working every street corner I can. <laughs> maybe I'm they came out the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it's all about the relationship. Truly, it is. I mean, it's about making those phone calls. It's about uh, keeping that investor informed understanding you know as life changes goals change uh unexpected events come about so what we want to always do is have that open line of communication to allow them to be able to talk to us if something happens i mean we all have the standard want to work to this day i've got a kid that's got to go to college how do i afford that with based on this so again every individual is different every situation is different the objective is to figure out what it is in that person's head what they can take when the risk and volatility in the market and then provide a solution towards that. As we get ready to, to close up the interview, any other services that you provide for the investor that we may not have touched upon yet? Well, with the holistic approach, there's a pretty much uh, an arrow for every situation in the quiver, if you will. So, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity for having that conversation, number one, understanding what their goals are and their risk tolerance, and then coming up with that solution. Um, one of the things that I, I definitely want to look at is how can I get out there with those CPAs. What are we going to do to help those CPAs better understand and help their their clients provide this service? And typically for a first conversation with you, is there a charge for that to just have a conversation with you to see if there's a right fit there? No charge. No, having a conversation is the fun part. You yeah. know, just to listen to them and understand what that is for them. That's the part that uh, drives me. So Again, if I can help those individuals, I will. If I have to direct them to somebody else that's better suited, I don't mind doing it. Because at the end of the day, it's their money, it's their goals, and we're here to help them. Right. Well, Alan, for those that would like to find out more about yourself or Dempsey Lord Smith, where can they get that information or how can they reach out to you? 
You can call me direct at 770-853-9487. Do you have any social media or an email address that you'd like to follow that with? You can reach me at allen, A-L-L-A-N dot Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N at DempseyEye.com. You, you, you know Amanda here's like the social media queen, so she's always asking those questions about social media. So uh, we appreciate it, Alan. Keep up the great work, and uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Gwinnett Business Radio. Thank you very much. All right, well, as you know, this show, Amanda, is brought to you by or cared for by Eastside Medical Center. Quality care close to home. Eastside Medical Center has been a community health care leader for over 39 years They've been a health care leader for longer than you've been on the planet. Yes, they have. Nationally recognized for patient safety, Eastside focuses on delivering quality care with exceptional outcomes by using the most advanced technology and experienced physicians. For more information on Eastside's system of care, visit eastsidemedical.com. I wish I could say they've been providing great care longer than I've been on the planet, but that's just not the case, unfortunately. Um, anyway, that wasn't a joke. That was just reality there. Um, joining us now, you know, you know, when you talk about investing, what, what, what goes better with investing than beer? Yeah. Right? Because especially if you're looking at the market, it goes up and down and up and down. They might drive you to drink. <laughs> exactly. So joining us now, a brand new brewery that's going to be opening up here in the uh, Gwinnett County area, still fire brewing. Joining us is the founder, Randall Vugler, and the brewmaster, Phil Farrell. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, Randall, tell us the backstory here before we get into the, the, the opening and what to expect and all the beers that Phil's going to tell us all about. How did you get to this point? Well, uh, so I own a marketing firm in Beaufort, Georgia, Vugler Design Group, that I run with my beautiful wife, Angela, and a 22-person team, and we do advertising for companies around the country and build websites and all that stuff. And uh, we produce Swanee Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bi-monthly periodical that's in Johns Creek, Swanee, Buford area, 55,000 readership. Uh, and then we also own a, a uh, event company. And our event company puts on Swanee Beer Fest and Swanee Wine Fest. So uh, it, it's, it's all kind of evolved. Yeah. So you, because you, you've been doing the beer fest for how long now? So in March it'll be our tenth year. Okay, so it's very popular. Usually it's Swanee Town Center, right? Correct. And it's, I mean, it's packed out. So it's the largest craft beer fest in Georgia. Okay, so you've been doing this successful beer fest for ten right. years, most successful in Georgia. Right. And you got a wild, harebrained idea. I want to open a brewery. Right. Well, I was just getting jealous of all the, <laughs> the other breweries, and and Swanee's such an awesome place, and and. Somebody had been threatening to open a brewery for the last 10 years, and it never happened. And So I was like, it's, you know, I'm getting tired of every, everybody else having all the fun. So, so where did you start? You, you, tell, you tell your beautiful wife, Angie, about this, and she's like, let's do it? Well, uh, Or you had to convince her a little bit? Well, I had talked about it for years, and she was always like, uh, you know. When the time's right. When the time's right. And uh, I met my partner, John Biscus, at a, at a business meeting, and we started talking about my favorite subject, a craft beer. And. He had, he told me he had the same dream of opening a brewery one day, and we just got to talking, and he said, come on out to California, I'll uh, show you the craft breweries out there, and so we looked, and we got the fever, and we called the city and let them know our plans. They were super excited, and they said, we'll help you in any way. So, yeah, it's just been, uh, this is like three years ago, but it's been just uh, steamroller. 
<laughs> and then cue Phil. How did Phil come into the mix? Was that, oh. ba- that was just bad luck, right? No. Oh, no? I understand that you guys worked together previously with the festival. Yes. Phil is a uh, world-class beer judge. He judges all the, uh, the uh, beer contests around the world. He can probably speak to that better than me. But he, uh, he had been uh, gracing us with his presence at judging our little homebrew contest for our, for our beer fest. And uh, just because of the location, he lives in Cumming, and, and he's friends with the, the guys that, that help us put it on. And, uh, yeah, that's where I met him. And the guy's amazing. He knows everything about beer there is to know. So, so Phil, Randall comes to you with the idea, I want you to join me for this uh, well, it was place. A, yeah, well, I'd, I'd known Randall for a while, and we'd, um, you know, judge the uh, Swanee beer uh, contest, homebrew contest a couple of times together. And um, Bob um, Carlton, the uh, gentleman who owns uh, Brew Depot over in Alpharetta, who was also a sponsor of the contest, uh, he had introduced me to Randall also. So I'm at the beer festival and uh, Randall just, you don't want to play poker with this guy because he has, uh, he just has this little smile going on and he's just I'm, I'm going something's on his mind and like right now I would you know I'd fold my cards and everything like that and he just kind of like looks over by where the band shell is over there they have a nice stage right in yeah. the town center and he points over to the right and he says you see that building over there it's like uh yeah it's a fire station you're expecting a fire or something and he says no what do you think about a brewery there and I'm like well that'd be a great location and he said and he just kind of like smiled and kind of shook his head. And he said, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about it later. And then I'm like, wow, I'm just, I was, oh, I got to hear about this. So once he started talking to me about it, it's like, uh, how could I not want to be involved in this? And, uh, you know, you were mentioning the design group and everything. Um, if you see some of the marketing that uh, Randall's done, his team, it's like, wow. You know, and uh, essentially they told me, we'll let you have the best job in the brewery you get to be the brewmaster so i get to make the beer and best of all drink the beer yes and taste it and you know that's that's what's make what makes it so good there's gonna we're gonna have a team of brewers and being able to come up with a lot of good ideas for beers and uh again part of being uh you know top of the pyramid thing uh, i'll do a lot of the planning and other stuff and i have two hands and I can point fingers and so some of the terrible grunt work that has to be done uh, that is part of the brewery uh, I'll be doing some of it but I won't have to do all of it which makes it <laughs> a lot nicer and everything think of um, think of when you see a, a, a you know a kitchen going on in a really nice restaurant the executive chef what what they do versus what the line cooks do mm-hmm. every good leader learns how to delegate early on <laughs> I want to back up just a little bit. You mentioned about um, part of the caveat being that you can sample the beers. And I understand in 2011, you were the beer drinker of the year. Yes. How does one achieve that record? Well, it's it's not a record. It's not a drinking contest. It's not oh. like uh, it's not like Joey Chestnut, you know, sucking down 27,000 uh, hot dogs on 4th of July for Nathan's. This is, um, it, it was um, a contest that was started by... Um, I don't know if he's still running for president, uh, John Hickenlooper. He was the, um, he started the very first brew pub since Prohibition in Colorado, right there in uh, the Lodo area of Denver. Um, with his business partners, um, they found an old warehouse and they said, we're gonna make a brewery out of this. And it's, it's just a gorgeous thing, Wincoop Brewing. From that, um, he ended up uh, down the road being uh, uh, mayor of Denver 
And then, of course, he was governor of Colorado. So, you know, the guy's had a very good political career, but he's a really good businessman. And uh, the um, thing was, there was, he basically said, well, we're this brew pub, and we're really happy with what we're doing here in uh, Denver. But at the same time, we don't really have any reach. So he went to a gentleman named Lou Cady, who was there right from the very beginning. He was like one of the original Wincoop fans. And he says, Lou, make us famous. And Lou comes up with a contest called Beer Drinker of the Year. And he sent it out. And you got uh, the original people who won uh, the first two years. All they won was their weight-in beer. So they would weigh you in when you showed up. And then they'd weigh you after you left because hopefully you gained some weight because you're drinking while you're there answering questions. And it's a little bit of um, uh, beer jeopardy, beer balderdash. You tell stories. You... uh, get to uh, have some fun with some things. So you, if you look me up, you'll probably see some photos of me with a guitar and a, a rubber chicken and, you know, some, you know, it's entertaining. It's one of these, uh, about a two-hour contest where you're answering questions, you're telling stories, you're tasting beer and, you know, those types of things. Um, the year I won, I'm, as far as I know, the only person to ever do this. Um, we were um, sitting there and they have a thing they call uh, beer listening where the beer they give you a beer and then you say tell us what this beer's uh how how is it speaking to you tell us about the beer uh and then they get into really silly stuff like uh okay so uh what beer is this who made it when was it brewed what liquor store did we purchase purchase it from you know those types of things oh and how much did we pay and what was the tax you know so literally they gave me this beer and uh, two other people gone before me and they weren't even close and like i said i'm a I'm, uh, well, I was the vice president of the Beer Judge Certification Program, certifying beer judges all around the world, judged all the great contests. Uh, you were a ringer. Yeah, well, that, you know, you can tell the style of beer, but who made it, that starts to get a little crazy. Well, I looked at this beer, and I just said, oh, wow. You could just see the Belgian lacing on the top. You could tell just by the way the beer was effervescing. This is definitely a Belgian beer. So you get a little closer. You start smelling the spiciness. You know, it was getting this nice little bit of clove a little bit of vanilla uh it was just you know and i'm thinking to myself i wonder and i get it really close to my nose and i'm saying okay this could be the beer i'm thinking of and of course the color it was golden you know really deep gold you know super clear i i take a taste and it's dry there's alcohol but it's really well hidden about 10 percent alcohol you know really effervescent and i swallow i i you know nice and dry and everything and i said okay it's not fruity enough to be a triple belgian triple it's really dry you can tell there's a lot of alcohol here and i said oh my god this this is a dead ringer for duval and if it's not duval then it's got to be somebody who totally cloned the beer and so when they pulled up the sign it was duval and they're like oh my god nobody's ever done this before (laughs) they they picked the beer because it could be anything they didn't say it's one of these five beers or something and so that helped but you know i also have a lot of other knowledge too and some people have said i'm likable except for my <laughs> wife but you know that's he's <laughs> being modest he uh well now he's, he's she's showing off first of all yeah he's actually uh ranked in the top 10 in the world of beer judges he's a grandmaster level five like this guy knows his beers grandmaster okay, so sounds like you got yourself a winner there randall yeah let me ask you this we've kind of buried the lead here Talk about this grand opening and, and, and when that's going to happen and what's going to be going on. Well, uh, we started construction uh, in April, and it's been an extremely uh, fast uh, 
construction timeline. But knock on wood, if we, uh, if barring any construction delays, we're going to be opening at the end of September. Next end of month. September 2019 for those that oh, yeah. hear this. So if you're listening to this after then, hopefully you'll you'll be open by the time if someone's listening to this after September of 2019. Yeah. So that's got to be exciting. What, what what are people going to experience when they walk through the doors? What, what's the vision? The vision? Uh, well, we were trying to create a place that, for the community. I mean, the, the location is Town Center Park. That's where everybody hangs out in Swanee. So you got the old fire station? The old fire station. And we, uh, so we're going to have community tables. It's going to just be an awesome place where people can hang out. We're really excited. They, they just built new millennial apartments down the street within iShot. And then, and then a little bit away is they just built a senior living center. So we'll be able to have, you know, community all the people different ages we love it when uh i i personally love it when people get together different ages and that's one of the best things i love about swanee beer fest i see i see grandparents and their parents and their their kids and their kids together hanging out having a blast and that's what i just love about beer it's like a community uh uniter you know okay and how many kinds of different beers talk about what what people are going to find the craft beers inside well um what we're planning on doing, obviously, you have to brew them one at a time, but um, we're going to have 18 taps, and we're also going to have cans for takeout. And uh, as time goes on, we're going to be moving in. Initially, everybody wants IPAs, and it's kind of interesting because 20 years ago, IPA was India Pale Ale, and there was just kind of like one way to make it. And then there was American-style India Pale Ale, and there's only one way to make it. And since then... It's just gone crazy. Um, and a lot of it has to do with uh, miraculously hops. There's so many new varieties of hops with so many new flavors that didn't exist 10 years ago, even five years ago. And that has changed the whole world because now um, we also had a hop shortage too. And um, that was about... Um, we had a hop shortage at one point? Yeah, there, was, um, there were um, between a blight, a drought in Europe... And then there was a warehouse fire where they had a lot of hops stored, and uh, it just Ooh. well Could immediately have a, ri a riot among the beer drinkers. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean this was as bad as when they couldn't make beer in Venezuela. People were really upset. So, literally, everybody had to rethink what they were doing. Okay, what hops can I get? You know, they had to literally go to the ground and find friends to trade for hops and everything else. But the other thing was they started reformulating the way they were doing things. So one of the things that if you look, go back 20 years ago, it was a, what they call an IBU war, which was um, international bitterness units. So it was thought that the more bitter the beer, the better it was. And that made it a better IPA. And so the brewers started realizing, you know, we're wasting a lot of hops making the beer bitter, and a lot of people don't like that. And then one of the things you'll find out with food science and also with uh, tasting panels and everything, about 7% of the U.S. population is totally oblivious to bitterness. They can't sense it. So you don't want them on your tasting panels. So probably of those people who are saying, wow, this is like the greatest IPA ever, they were probably one of those bitter blind people that could not figure that out. So... And again, think of the honey badger that rolls around in the honeybees and everything like that and just laughs at them when they're stinging them, you know, that doesn't bother them. Or when you see the people eating the hot peppers, that you get anywhere near it, you're sneezing and everything else, and they're just like chomping down on them. And they, they're just immune to the, you know, the Scoville index or whatever they use, you know, to rate how hot the peppers are. So getting back to what I was going to say was the uh, they immediately said, you know, why do we like IPAs? We like them to be drinkable, and we like the hop aroma and the hop flavor. So they started using later edition hops to make the beer 
much more aromatic and much more flavorful, which meant it had to be fresher. So now you start to make it in smaller batches, serve it more locally, don't put it out into distribution as much. Then to fix the drinkability, what they did was they made them lighter in color because the lighter color beer didn't have sweetness that you need bitterness to uh, overcome. And then on the other side of that, they made them drier. And you can use, by using the right yeast and using a fermentability with uh, the wort that you create from the, from the malts and the grains, um, they made the beer dry. So dry works out just as fine as bitter for making a beer drinkable. And most people, they drink something, they want their palate cleanse, and then they, they like the aftertaste, and they say, I want some more, you know, and that's what makes a nice drinkable IPA. So, Randall, could you just not oh. find anybody that knew anything about beer? <laughs> I know, Mike guy. doesn't drink very much beer, so I don't think he can fully appreciate the, um, the wonder in what no, you're saying. No, I'm just saying. thinking I wish we had an hour-long show here, because yeah, yeah. Phil could just talk beer all oh, day yeah. long. Well, yeah. IPAs, they're popular now, and again, IPA doesn't they mean India Pale india pale ale you could pretty much put anything on there you could say you know hot pepper ipa and you know you just make up something and people oh it's ipa i want that you know originally when they started out craft brewing everything was red if it was a red beer oh it must be a craft beer so that's kind of what's happened but these gorgeous um tropical hops that didn't exist before they have all these different tropical style ipas and i mean it's amazing what you can do with those hops and come up with some really nice flavors and uh again it's it's a uh, you know it's a lot of fun it's like yeah. going from uh, being a chef and having only five spices now and all of a sudden you have a spice rack that's a hundred deep well your passion and your enthusiasm definitely shines through and your knowledge as well and i can't wait to try your glory haze because based on the oh, description in the swanee magazine i do believe that that might be my go-to oh, okay it's my go-to it's amazing is it I've got to ask you just just for the fun of it phil because you're so knowledgeable about beer as far as the domestic bottled or canned beers that everybody knows here all the popular brands in america not going into craft beers just what, what's the best domestic beer and, and why real in, in well, 30, yeah, 30 uh, seconds or so well, you're saying with craft beer no no not a craft beer like <laughs> okay. miller budweiser michelow what's the, what in your opinion they're, what's the best one you and better why? not say they're budweiser all, no no they're they're, they're all <laughs> I'd be good shocked if you they're did. all good because if you think about it they those guys spill in 10 minutes more beer than I will make in my entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make a product at a very low cost, they make it consistent, and they do a very good job of not having anything stick out. And that's kind of hard to do, you know, and they're really good at it. I would probably say, if I had to drink one you, of the if, big yeah, three. If you had to buy one. I would, I would, one I, would the big three. I just like the, the Coors Banquet, because I, I went to school in Colorado, and you know, they use a lot of rice in there, and it just tastes you know, nice and simple to me. All right. Randall, for those who would like to find out more about Stillfire Brewing, uh, is there a website up yet? Of course. Web- uh, stillfirebrewing.com. Stillfirebrewing.com. Hopefully opening the doors uh, soft open in September of 2019, correct? Yep. Right there, the old fire station. Most people in the area know the old fire station right across the street from Swanee Town Center, all part of that whole complex. And a lot of renovations, a lot of um, additions going on there. So, I mean, you're going to be right smack in the middle of everything. Yeah, they're building a new park. Uh, it's, yeah. It was supposed to actually be open now, but they're, uh, they're building a new park with a water feature and a suspension bridge and everything. And we'll be right on the path to that. So Great. And we, I was going to say, Mike, we, we purposely um, 
have a pilot system. We're going to make a lot of small batch beer so that when you go in there, it's not going to be, oh, here's the same six beers I always have. Well, if you like them, that's great, but we're going to have another 12 that you probably haven't had before. Well, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about, but we'll just leave people wanting more and make them have to come there to find out <laughs> all this exciting stuff. Uh, Randall and Phil, thanks for joining us so much. Thanks for having us. Thank Founder you. and brewmaster with Still Fire Brewing. Also want to thank Alan Duncan with Dempsey, Lord, and Smith for joining us here on the program. And before we go, love. We, we love our beer, but it's also what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Get big savings and enjoy their hassle-free experience. Subaru of Gwinnett, where people sell cars. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com and join their family today. Come in and see the difference. If you're already a Subaruist, then follow Subaru of Gwinnett's Facebook page for the latest Subaru offers, news, and community events. And if you go to the uh, brewery, uh, make sure you get a designated driver and Uber or you know, do the right thing, right? I uh, want to remind everybody that you can listen to the show anytime you want. Go to businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Gwinnett Business Radio. And if you'd like to stay connected with us, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Gwinnett Radio X. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producer, Trey. For Amanda, I'm Mike, and we'll see you next time here on Gwinnett Business Radio.